what the Aura project has made me more aware of and I think has actively contributed to is what is loosely categorized as the decolonial imperative in African universities. And that is the questioning of the received hierarchies of what constitutes knowledge, what constitutes research, actually. And those hierarchies were very much transferred to African institutions from colonial control. And what we've seen in this developing area of artistic research is artistic practitioners, performers, visual artists, musicians, actually using their artistic practice to engage with forms of knowing. Welcome to the latest podcast in our Arts Research Africa dialogue series. These dialogues are intended to stimulate practice, enable research, and inspire collective engagement around the question of artistic research in Africa. I'm Prof. Krista Doherty, the Head of Artistic Research in the Witt School of Arts. Today is a little unusual because we'll be using this podcast to signal the end of this Mellon Foundation funding of the ARA project. We will be reviewing the six years of the ARA project. And in order to do this, we're going to flip the mic around. Our technical producer and journalist, Elna Schutz, will be interviewing myself and two other key staff members about the ARA project. You know Brett Piper's voice very well by now. Most recently, we spoke about the Jazz Cosmopolitan's research project that he's been leading in the Witt School of Arts. But he is, of course, the principal investigator on the ARA project and as head of the School of Arts, played a key role in conceptualizing the ARA project and pitching it to the Mellon Foundation. Zaneli Madiba is the project coordinator of the Arts Research Africa project and theater critic. She holds an MA in Arts and Culture Management from the Wits University. And now, over to Elna. So let's start with the origin story before we get into specifics. Brett, as the principal investigator, can you tell us how ARA started and what made it different to the usual pattern of Mellon-funded research projects? Sure, Elna. So I became head of school at the School of Arts at WITS in 2014. And in that first year, I immediately realized that there was really interesting and important work happening in pockets across the school, but that the form of research that many of our colleagues was producing wasn't the conventional kind that gets reported in journal articles and the usual publications that the university measured. And although WITS had already taken the decision some years before to recognize so-called creative research for internal purposes, it was also not a form of research that was supported by government nationally. So WITS was in effect having to find ways to internally recognize this in the absence of a larger framework. And in my second year in the role, which was by 2015, the then dean, Professor Rukshana Osman, asked me whether the school wouldn't like to pitch an idea for a Mellon grant. There's an internal process that's actually a competitive process within WITS that took place at the time, and she thought that it would be an opportune time. And so given that I'd noticed that, firstly, there was a need to think about this form of research, how it was supported, how it was administered, but it was also tied in many ways to the advancement of colleagues in terms of their own research outputs and the kind of students we were attracting. I thought this would be an interesting idea to try to 
build a question and a conversation around across all the art forms that are located in the School of Arts. And I think that's the distinctive ambition of what became the Arts Research Africa project is that although, you know, for the longest time we've had extraordinary artists in the school, even before what they produced was necessarily called artistic research. And then there were pockets of conversation in the school around the idea, but for it to be a school-wide conversation that could be facilitated from a central place in the school, like the head of school's office, this was the thinking. And that brought with it its own challenges. The usual model for how Mellon Grant's work wouldn't be that broad in terms of who it would reach and involve. Typically, one appoints a visiting professor with an administrator and offers bursaries to work in a very focused way. But we wanted to actually create opportunities for broad dialogue across the school and especially to create a platform where colleagues who had recently joined the school and may themselves have been working towards creative PhDs for them to be able to find a source of conversation and material support for that work. That makes sense. Christo, it's really lovely to have you on the other side of the mic for a change because, of course, as the ARA director, you have been on the ground with this and really helped this baby ARA project grow. What has it achieved over the last five years? The one achievement that's been very significant is creating the, the Arts Research Africa brand. And that was one of the first things that I got involved with because I wasn't there at the setup and the pitching for the grant that Brett just described. And it was clear to me when I got involved that we needed two things to really get started. And one was an identity that colleagues and beyond the School of Arts could engage with and relate to. And out of that came the Ara brand. And the other was that we really needed a very effective hands-on coordinator. And of course, we were able to appoint uh, my colleague Zanella Madiba. So that got us started. And in terms of how we went, we took a two-pronged approach. One was to engage with the upcoming government policy to recognize creative research. And one of the first things we did was to initiate a national gathering at WITS of tertiary educators who were involved with creative arts. And we did that at the end of 2018. And at the same time, we also engaged with a very exciting conference called Watershed, which brought art together with politics and policy adverts around the water crisis. And we got involved with that, and we actually had our first of many artist residencies, which was Atul Bala. And we then, over the following six years, rolled out postgraduate bursaries, which were very, very much appreciated by postgraduates and the students in the school, and also staff grants to allow staff to buy time off to work on their creative work PhDs, and also to engage in creative work projects. So we launched that series. The large number of applications that we received for the postgraduate grants really demonstrated the desperate need for postgraduate funding. So typically in a year we could offer five postgraduate bursaries and we would receive 120, 130 applications for those. And there have 
very competitive. So by bringing in a wider range of staff into the selection committee that decided on allocating these grants, both the staff grants and postgraduate bursaries, I think we really fostered a wider dialogue across the school. And we also, in our outreach more broadly beyond the school to the, not just South African, but the African educational environment, we held two international conferences, one in 2020 and one in most recently in September 2022. And the first one was asking the question, how does autistic research contribute to the decolonial project? And in the second one, we asked a slightly more nuanced question, which was, how does autistic research contribute to actual autistic practice and pedagogical practice? And we were able to engage with a wide range of scholars around the country and practitioners and internationally. And I think that's been a major advance, again, in developing the discourse around what is this thing, autistic research, and more particularly, what is it in an African context? Because, of course, it's something that began in the northern, mostly European academic context, and we need to think very specifically and contextually about what value this has, what it means here in Africa with the kind of challenges that we face in many different ways. And in addition, I was very happy that we were able to manage a number of artists in residence. And what we did there as well is we opened it up to all the departments in the School of Arts and encouraged each department to nominate a artist who would spend time in the school, produce work, but also engage with the students and engage with the teaching around the topic. And we had a very exciting run of artists, really, really exciting, even though we had to deal with the challenge of, of course, the COVID and the lockdown. And in fact, one of the artists we had who was a Finnish performance, performance researcher, uh, Professor Annette Arlander, her residency was actually disrupted by the lockdown and we had to rush her to the airport to get her onto the last flight that would allow her to catch her linking flight to Helsinki. So very dramatic times. But I would say overall that was what I think are are really significant achievements. There were a lot of other activities, but those are the ones that stand out. Listening to you, I'm really hearing about how you created space that wasn't there previously, whether that is space for a particular artist to do work that they might not usually have had the resources to do or whether it's space for conversations. Brett and Zanele, when you think back, what has Aura meant to you and what are some of perhaps the most vivid memories of this project? There's lots of memories, particularly the events that we've organized, I think, from just an event coordinator point of view have really grown. I'm thinking of some of the notable events that we've had, like the Pecha Kucha, which is kind of 20 seconds 
20 slides type of presentations. I'm thinking of a PhD colloquia that we did for our PhD students, which really linked them to international peer reviewers who could engage with their work and give feedback, which isn't necessarily readily available because it's very, we're working in a vacuum, how students work, it's very much a PhD student engagement. But for us to be able to have access to resources that makes it possible to link to other international collaborators, I think. So that was very interesting. But what's also notable in my coordination is a link to SARIMA, which is an association for research manager, which I got roped into when I started my role in 2018, which I was introduced to by Dr. Robin Drennan. So that shifted kind of how I worked in the past, where I've either done administration and I worked as a coordinator in the past as a project officer but I've never linked it to research management which is quite specific which is different from your day-to-day that you're very engaged with the academic with the researchers and how you engage with them that you're very you're aware of the projects that they're doing it's not so much about processing an invoice it's about knowing the project, what it does, the kind of impact that could come out of that project. So you are aware, you are in a position to even ask questions about the project that maybe it's deviating from what the deliverable has been said to be. So that has been interesting for me. But also it was the first time managing a grant of this magnitude. You know, I think the biggest grant I had prior was like 30000 for my marketing <laughs> that I was doing. So to now have access to a very huge grant with specific line items was also interesting. But it also opened me up to now financial skills that are not readily available because essentially I'm a trained theater performer. That's my background. I'm an artist. I'm not necessarily an administrator. So to come in and have that transition into certain sets of skills of research management, of event coordination, of financial management. ARA has made that possible. I think the fund has made it possible. But I also think that a smaller team has made it possible because prior to that, I've worked in bigger teams where um, roles aren't so defined that this are your specific role, that it's a very collaborative kind of working sets of requirement. I think in this instance, we've got Brett, who's our PI, and we've got Christo, who's the director, but I work very closely on a day-to-day with Christo. So our roles are quite defined, that I'm kind of doing the day-to-day. So I've never had that much autonomy, in a sense. So for me, that's been very notable to be trusted to do the day-to-day and not be having to rely on kind of very consultative, you should not move, you should get this. So I've been trusted in that space. So that for me is really memorable. And I hope it becomes some of the spaces that I get to engage with. Brett, you look like you wanted to jump in there. So I agree with Zanele that the areas she's highlighted have been really meaningful. I mean, just seeing the platforms we created and having our postdoctoral students who are often our colleagues as well, presenting their work and seeing the convergences, but also the diversity of approaches and themes that they were working on. That was really exciting. And, you know, it it created a kind of visibility and a discourse around it that we'd hoped that this project could create in the school. I think the areas that Zanel has spoken about regarding the challenges of managing this kind of work and enabling research is also something that 
was an intention for us. You know, this grant was an opportunity to think through what an enabling environment for creative research needs to look like in our context. There's a resourcing side to it. There's a capacitation side. And there's also just ways of working and how that is distinct or actually converges with how other research managers in the institution and the broader academic sector work together. I think that sort of backstage operational side of the project is interesting in itself. In fact, it's an outcome of the project in itself that I'm glad Zanel has raised. I was very deliberate in the way I framed the project that I didn't want to be a classic kind of principal investigator on my own, that this was a collaborative project. And in fact, in early drafts of the proposal, there were different ways of trying to articulate a joint leadership model. But I was actually told, on this, Mellon Grants need a PI, and that by default is going to be the budget holder, so you need to be that person. But I've been interested in the idea of working in a much more participatory and collaborative way. And I think the processes that Christo spoke to about hearing young colleagues debate the merits of applications, again, it's an invisible kind of outcome. But I think that kind of qualitative dialogue within the school builds a long-term sense of academic practice and community. I mean, finally, what I'd mentioned for myself that's been really meaningful is that the project has also challenged me alongside, at the time being the head of school, to bring my own research into the process. And so I was delighted that some of the work that I've done over many years with the jazz appreciation community around Pretoria or Tswane became an important project within the overarching Arts Research Africa project. Initially, I had proposed an interdisciplinary residency, but then that was taken up by our Department of Cultural Policy and Management. And so the, the project, with a unique collective of grassroots jazz appreciators and musicians and educators, became a very crucial bridging platform in the pandemic context for them. So I think, in a nutshell, the project has yielded insights at so many levels, thematically in the work that colleagues have produced, backstage in what it takes to create an enabling environment for that kind of work, and then still at the individual level for researchers to be able to advance projects in directions that would not have been easy to resource outside of this really generous grant from the Mellon Foundation. Krista, let me turn to you. What kind of impact have you seen ARA make? I think the big impact has been seeing colleagues bring projects that were in their early stages or that were just an idea. And through funding and through support, the kind of managerial support that Zanelli was able to give projects, seeing these projects blossom. And obviously one would be the project that Brett developed within ARA, which is the Jazz Cosmopolitan Project. And what I think was very exciting about that project was its engagement with creative communities, jazz appreciators outside of the campus, which is, I think, a very important part of what we need to be doing in the School of Arts and doesn't happen all that often. And other projects that have really blossomed, one would be the uh, fake news project that blossomed around artist residency in the film and TV department with, with Nelly Glaber, the dancer and choreographer. And what we saw there was not just her doing her work, but actually an entire project of TV students engaging with different ways of filming and post-producing 
live performance and particularly the kind of challengingly avant-garde live performance that Eli Klaber brought to the school. During COVID, we had a music residency that got senior composition students to record the journeys they were making to campus as individuals and then to use those recordings as the basis for compositions, which when COVID actually relaxed, they were able to perform at a collaborative concert. We've had a number of very, very I think productive engagements between artists and residents, students and departments, and the Witz Art Museum, where, for instance, one young Congolese artist, Hilaire, worked with particular objects out of the African art collection in Witz Art Museum and engaged with them through his really, really interesting hypermodern pop sensibility. And that was typical of the kind of challenges we had to deal with in that he arrived and we didn't know that he didn't speak a word of English. <laughs> and the students and the course coordinators, that was a history of art residency, actually had to work around the fact that they spoke no French and he spoke no English using the technology of Google Translate and a French-speaking student, African-French-speaking student from international relations. They were able to pull off a very successful residency. So that's been great to see. And what Zanelli mentioned as well was the engagement with other communities of supervision and practice internationally and to bring that discussion, particularly in relation to the creative work being done by our PhD students. I think that for me was really, really valuable to have that kind of dialogue, which just wouldn't have happened if we hadn't had the ARA project. Now, maybe all three of you want to answer this one, but how has ARA changed the way you see arts research? I think before I came to ARA, I wasn't necessarily reflecting around what artistic research was. It wasn't a popular terminology in the school because I also studied at the Witt School of Arts. I think I was a little bit familiar with creative research, When I did my master's, I wasn't actively saying I am doing creative research. So when I came into the space, I've always looked at, for example, a production, a theater production, as one element of your research. And of course, you have to think of the text that contextualizes the actual work. And of course, there's always been a hierarchy because it felt like you are an artist, you're working on a project. This is practice work that you are doing. And it felt like, why must you justify the work? That there was always this idea of the theory, the text take precedence. And when I came into ARA, I started seeing the integration of the two, but also in a relationship context that there wasn't a hierarchical relationship as per my perception of what I've come to believe. So to see those merging and to see that actually the focus is the artwork. You know, of course, you need the text to kind of speak to the work, but they have the same importance. So for me, that has been very eye-opening and freeing that I mustn't always think of, how do I speak to this work? 
is that the work speaks for itself, that the work itself is research. And coming into a space that says it's okay to think in this way, it's okay to work in this particular ways has really been eye-opening for me, for example. As a student, as a learner, as somebody who hasn't been in a space that kind of unpacks the concept. And I think that has been an incredible process of deepening an understanding of what is artistic research. I've listened to multiple scholars saying what they take is, and nobody has committed to what it is. And for me, I think that even that complexity is interesting. You know, I've listened to Annette speaking about what artistic research is to her. And I've listened to Michael Schwab, for example, speak about what artistic research is. And other many academics speak to what it is. But nobody at the end of the day says this is what it is. They will say this is what I think it is. And for me to enter that space that is not so definitive, I think that's what scholarly spaces should be, is that we don't have the answer. We're constantly exploring. So my understanding of that concept and that I also in my writing have to think about it in that I am making a contribution and it's valuable and it doesn't have to be text. It doesn't have to be conventional research, that there's a space for it. Then it doesn't have to be competitive in how the sciences that I don't always need to have the evidence that it is research in its own right. For me, that has been incredible to know that it's okay and to be surrounded by people who are doing artistic research work in very different spaces. And it looks very different for everybody. And I think it will be an ongoing discussion on what it is. And I think there are discussions happening at DATT level on creative research, artistic research, practice-led practice-based, is that they're all these terminologies, but at the end of the day, we're all contributing to one field. And I think it's been happening internationally. And to see it on African ground through our conferences, the ARA 2020 and kind of ARA 2022, seeing how that has advanced the understanding. I think in ARA 2020 conference, we were just starting out. So there were people doing it. There were people thinking about it. But I think with our ARA 2020 was very intentional, is that there was an understanding and there was an advancing and there was contributing to this pot that has looked very different when I came in. It was, you know, I'm just here to work. But to also in some way contribute to that understanding that I can talk to my friends and really speak specifically to what it is and how they should just not do their work, but really think of their work as research, as contributing to research has really changed my perspective of what artistic research is. Brett, do you find that your views have been impacted in similar ways? Definitely. You know, as Christo mentioned earlier, the emergence of artistic research as a formally recognized form of academic work has tended to come from the global north. And in our context, to see the range of projects and approaches that our colleagues and students have brought to bear has, I really think, stretched the envelope beyond a more canonical understanding of art by itself as well, but also not entirely divorced from it. But we've had, you know, many projects emerge that, for example, work with ritual or African forms of spirituality or 
you know, cross the divide from the more rarefied world of gallery or concert hall practice and engage with popular culture in a more public domain. And I think these projects are interesting not only for the content of what they do, but for how they also force us to think a bit more expansively about how the knowledge that is in making in forms of practice actually might position us in quite a distinctive way in global conversations about this kind of research. So I think, you know, enabling ourselves to take our cue from our context and the kinds of practices and networks that our beneficiaries have been embedded in. I think that's been quite transformative, and I'm excited about that ongoing energy. What about you, Krista? What the Aura Project has made me more aware of, and I think has actively contributed to, is what is loosely categorized as the decolonial imperative in African universities. And that is the questioning of the received hierarchies of what constitutes knowledge, what constitutes research, actually. And those hierarchies were very much transferred to African institutions from colonial control. And what we've seen in this developing area of artistic research is artistic practitioners, performers, visual artists, musicians, actually using their artistic practice to engage with forms of knowing, particularly knowing through embodiment, knowing through, as Brett was mentioning, spiritual sources, which has turned out to be a very, very strong imperative in a lot of African artistic practice, and that these forms of knowing articulated in this way, articulated, publicly presented, are starting to disturb or change that inherited hierarchy of what constitutes knowledge, what constitutes important topics worth looking at seriously in a university. And I think that is something that we started to engage with, particularly through the conferences, through our residencies. And it's a project that will continue and go beyond just the period of the Mellon funding. Speaking of funding, unfortunately, we do need resources to make all of this possible. And we all know, as Brett touched on earlier, that funding isn't always easy in the humanities and the academy at large. So Zanele, having worked with this fairly closely, what have you learned about making funding sustainable in the arts? Hmm. I think sustainability is a big question. And I'm not sure we have reached that stage where we can speak about funding and sustainability kind of in the same sentence. And I want to talk about funding firstly in terms of our grant recipient, our beneficiaries. I think for me that model of funding has been interesting because it's very difficult for people engaging with art or people working with creative art to be able to have access to funding So I think what was interesting for me is that for the first time in the school is that there was a pot available that our academics, our student could have direct access to as opposed to having to go to faculty, which is usually the normal route or other external, very individual routes, but that there was now an available institution, I guess, in the school 
that they could easily access. And I think that has really made it easy. And it's going to be interesting to see where to now for academics and our students, because now it means less of that resource available outside of the funding. And when I also think about sustainability in line of just looking for funding, I think that is probably one thing that we realized too late that we could have maybe engaged in fundraising initiative as we kind of knew this was a five-year project. So I don't want to say it comes as a surprise, but funding are normally a year or two. But I do think that you become a little relaxed, you know, because five years feels so long and all of a sudden the five years is gone and there isn't a tangible plan of where to So I guess sustainability in that way is that there needs to be room to access fundings that are long-term, that are renewable, that we can, as a school, find a way of having it. And if it's not this one, it can be that one, that this project get to continue in other ways. Because I think a big part of ARA is definitely the funding think we're doing other things but in terms of kind of how we engage with the school is that it has allowed them to get staff buyouts which is very difficult which is very competitive at faculty level but in a school where there's a small number of PhD students PhD staff it's been easy for them to access funding so sustainability I don't know I don't know how we become sustainable I think with COVID it's made it even harder is that there are no resources internationally, locally, is that we're all fighting for the same resources, which makes it difficult for any projects to be sustainable, for funding to be sustainable. But I do think that there is room to fundraise, to look for more monies elsewhere. But also funding in terms of my job, which is reliant on the Mellon funding, you know, it has also meant that what is the sustainability of my role? You know, um, so I think funding is very complex in the arts. You know, I'm constantly receiving calls about, you know, the sciences, all the other stuff. And I cannot share it with, with the school because it's not appropriate or relevant to them. But it's very few calls that come in and they're looking for artists or people who work with art or people who are within the school. So there needs to be more room that funds the type of project that we do, the type of works that we do. Do either of you want to respond? So I agree with Zanelia that the environment has become particularly challenging after the pandemic, and this in the arts sector and also then, of course, in the more specialized arts research sector. One aspect of our capacity in the ARA project that is sustainable by design is that we don't, at the end of the Mellon funding, lose an academic principal investigator who no longer has funding. So because we deliberately worked with the staff who've come into the school and also several colleagues who are relatively early career researchers, my hope is that the boost that the Mellon funding gave the school in this last six years will be carried forward in their own work and their own supervision and their own teaching without necessarily needing external resources to be present at all. But definitely there's, there's an imperative to continue to fundraise. 
it's probable that we'll have to do that um, along those line items that Zanele mentioned earlier. So rather than having one funder who covers everything that ARA has done, we may have funders who are willing to support particular artist residencies, for example, or the Ellipses Journal, or other aspects of what we've done. And that's going to then necessarily be a more collaborative process as well with individual researchers and maybe clusters of researchers needing to work together. What we definitely are going to sorely miss is the dedicated administrative capacity that Zanele has brought to the role. And it remains a question, as I understand it, within the school's own strategic planning as to you know, whether there is a way in which that can be planned for in the medium term. And I think just having had the experience of a dedicated research manager who works with researchers and postgraduate students in the school, I think it's been very generative. And I think the legacy of that, even though it's not going to be a seamless form of continuity, I think it has set a benchmark for the ways in which the school has come to see the specific needs of enabling artistic research. So definitely we are finding ourselves in the kind of environment where we need to think quite creatively about how we can continue to bring external resources into the work. But the academic capacity and many of the colleagues who I'm happy to say are now further along in their PhD completions, for example, than when they started, are all going to, I hope, be in a position to help carry this torch forward. One thing we have been able to do is to generate some surplus out of the projects that we've run over the last five years. And that's going to allow certainly me to continue the Aura brand through the podcast series, which I'll be running over next year. And the podcast, as you know, Elmer, have been a way to bring a wide range of voices into the discussion. So that will continue. And several of the projects that ARA has supported have themselves grown and now found alternative forms of funding. The fake news project that I mentioned in film and TV is definitely growing. (laughs) History of Art have been able to engage with a Brazilian curator and the whole Brazilian curatorial Seen and that's now grown its own wings and is continuing. Some of Brett's projects will continue under other forms of funding. And we haven't really spoken about it at depth, but another of the projects that Ara was able to support and grow greatly was the online creative arts journal called Ellipsis. And that is still going to be around. <laughs> and will be online for at least the next two years. So I hope that, as Brett was mentioning, that could be one of the focused areas in which we could find further funding to keep it going, because that's really been an invaluable aspect, facet of the ARA project, that online presence. Can I just add, because we just had a closing event, and I just want to talk about how our beneficiary spoke about our funding as a seed funding. So I think that's such a beautiful concept of us just planting a seed and it grows into different projects, into other funding. But somehow we kind of initiated the start of that project and we've allowed 
visibility of sort is that they got the funding, went into a space that the funding made possible, and then now they could access further fundings. And it takes a certain amount of wisdom or courage to allow a project to change, to become what it needs to or could be, and to not, you know, cry at the end of five years and imagine, oh, now it's all just over. And I commend you all for that. Kirsto, whether you have two years or five years or 20 years, there'll always be something you wish you had gotten to, but just haven't yet. What is that for you with Aura? I would have liked more publications to have come directly out of Aura. I think we've stimulated a lot of discourse. We've had the conferences, which have produced proceedings. But my regret is that we haven't had a more regular publication to have spread the kind of thinking in an accessible form to a wider audience and particularly to the students in the school, not just the postgraduates, but the undergraduates. I feel we've missed an opportunity there, but there's limits to what three people <laughs> can do with a project you know, in the time available. And as Anela alluded to, often those, you call them regrets, but I would like to think of them as open opportunities that could perhaps find a home in the future. So speaking of the future, share with us, all three of you, what RO might turn into, what the future might hold. So wearing the two hats that I've worn in the project, firstly, as a participant with the research project, I'm happy to say that what began as the Cosmology Concert and has turned into the Cosmopolitan Collective as a vehicle for exploring forms of jazz cosmopolitanism across Africa. So that project is continuing across various legs with conference presentations and a special journal issue and some ongoing community public humanities work going into the new year. So again, the seed funding that ARA has provided has been uh, amazing there. It helped us to create and incubate something up until a certain point. And I think ARA should be gratefully sort of nudging it out of the nest now and it needs to fly on its own. And as Christo said, I think there are other projects like that that ARA has supported that we should be seeing moving into further states of fruition in 2023 and beyond. At the collective level, I did, literally in the months just before the pandemic, start exploring alternative funding pathways for aspects of ARA when I was still head of school. And one emerging platform, complicated now geopolitically by the war in Ukraine, has been the BRICS networks of research that South Africa participates in, which have been bringing calls for applications. And I had just proposed before we shut down in March 2020, the exploration across the global south of how this notion of creative practice-based research is resonating across institutions in the other BRICS countries. We were getting a lot of interest from colleagues in those spaces in our conference, our international conference at WITS, but participation always ended up being easier for colleagues from the global north. And so... That's a space to watch still and to see. Our initial dialogues with colleagues in Brazil and India have been them actually admiring South Africa for being an enabling space in this particular historical moment and a sense that 
being able to do the kind of creative PhDs we can offer at WITS and other institutions is something that's actually not available in many places elsewhere in the global south. And we're not even at the moment easily able to have that kind of conversation with academics in China or Russia because of the politics affecting academic life more broadly. So those, I think, are interesting areas to watch. And, you know, as we explore new areas of potential funding, we might encounter new challenges that might have to do with, you know, censorship or the way that the academy is positioned in particular countries and especially countries with authoritarian regimes. And I think so these are all valid questions that ARA has generated. I think it's important that we recognize and in this platform thank the Mellon Foundation for the very significant investment that this project has meant for a whole generation, we can say now, of early career researchers in the school. And they're going to take this in the directions that are meaningful for them. And I've been very grateful from the position of the head of school's office for a time to be able to support that work. And again, my big thanks to Zanele and Christo for really bringing their own energies and vision into that process. For me, I think how my role has been written into the proposal has been very unique when I was presenting a paper at a Sarima conference, the people there were like, we do the work that you do, but it was so interesting to come across this term of an artistic research manager. I think having that as an umbrella, because research management is fairly new in South Africa. It's an international ways of working, but it's coming into South Africa and the WITS Research Office is trying to kind of do a little bit of incubation, I guess, in schools that there becomes this new set of working which is far more engaged in the academic project than one would be at an administrative level. And coming into professionalizing, the course is only available in Stellenbosch and WITS, there is a way of them funding you for a short course, but there is an umbrella of a set of ways that you are working that is very intentional, that is quite clear in how you are engaging with the academics, how you're engaging with the student, which has also opened up new ways of working for me and to research management as an area of interest, as a way of thinking of working, which is not generic, which I think is far more integrated with the intellectual agenda, which is very informed and very aware of what is happening in the school, which is not so much about making sure this gets signed, this gets approved, but it's very much that the relationship between you and the academic, you and the student as a research manager is far more close and there isn't that gap. It closes that gap that there is an understanding that we all have a goal, that there is values in the school that we're all working towards, you know. And I think that is very different from like your usual nine to five ways of working, of coming in, sitting down, doing papers, making sure things are moving. But also thinking about what as a school we want to achieve and those you can only find out through the project. And I think just that integration of the research manager is really incredible. So I think ARA, even in the future, I think it has benchmarked what research management is. And I think that is incredible for a new person to come in and for new people, even I think for administrative staff 
to think of themselves as research managers because at the end of the day, the project of the school is research, you know, teaching and learning and research. And research is very core to the school. And I think as administrators, when you start thinking about how you contribute to the research project, it shifts your way of working. It shifts how all the pieces connect. So I think definitely for me, research management, artistic research management, which is fairly new because even in how research management is conceptualized and it's conceptualized, of course, into the humanities, but not so much in an art kind of setup. So I think for me, that's a very beautiful way of the future. I think the future is very much research management based. Krista, let's give you the last word. What about the future? Zanelli put it very well in that this changing research environment in the universities and the kind of demands and pressures around research and facilitating and enabling academics to do research is very much needing this hybrid role of the research manager. And it's been interesting, and I think it's been one of the challenges of ARA and the School of Arts, which has this very traditional separation between admin support people, you know, who just do what they have to do in order to support, versus the kind of hybrid role that Zanelli's played. And I also hope that this is something that has been recognized and that is taken on board by the school because I don't see a way for the school to function as a research entity without that kind of support. So that's a big one. And in terms of the future, as we've mentioned, ARA has seeded a number of very, very exciting artistic research projects, all of which have developed their own momentums and are moving forward. And I'm very interested to see those continuing and in my own practice to continue to articulate and engage with other centres. I think BRICS being a very important one, to develop this conversation about what is relevant and engaged artistic research in our contexts of Africa and the Global South. There's definitely many more good things, even though there is a sort of pause with ARA. There's clearly a lot more to come. Zanele, Brett, Christo, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation, but also for everything you do. I'm looking forward to another year of podcasts and everything else that Ara does. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a dialogue between Elna Schutz and the three key members of the Arts Research Africa project. Brett Piper, the principal investigator on the project, Zanele Madiba, the project coordinator, and myself, Krista Doherty, the project director. The podcast was hosted and technically produced by Elna Schutz. It was funded by the Mellon Foundation as part of their support for the Arts Research Africa project in the Witt School of Arts, University of the Witwatersrand, Johannesburg, South Africa. The music for this podcast was composed and performed by Lee Rosvier and is used under a Creative Commons license. <laughs>